0: Good morning, Good morning. so good to see all of you here, happy Memorial Day weekend, we want to uh, say a word of honor to our veterans, we know that Memorial Day is uh, for our fallen veterans, but we also want to thank our living veterans for their service, and so we thank all of our service men and women uh, for your service to our country. We're so grateful. Uh, we, without that uh, sacrifice, without that time, we wouldn't be able to be here worshiping uh, and being able to voice our, our many opinions. And uh, so we thank all of our veterans for their service. It's good to see everybody uh, We just got back yesterday from a family vacation, and my family thanks you very much for letting me leave for a little while, and uh, I'm one of those guys that eventually starts to suffer from preoccupation as a husband and as a father, and I think about all the other things that I need to be doing, and, and then I forget sometimes that I need to give attention to my family, and so, thank you for letting me give some attention to my family. Uh, it was much needed. I found my sense of humor again. I thought I'd lost it, and so it's good to uh, find that to act goofy and to play with with my family. And, and so it was a good time. I only managed to get you know like 25% of my body sunburned. So I'm doing pretty good. It's been a, a weekend of aloe vera uh, to help. <laughs> with that, but it's good to be back and to be with you, brethren, and, uh, and thank you to Hal for uh, sitting in for me on Wednesday night. It was much appreciated. Good to see you. Today, we're going to talk about one of the central themes in Christian life, and that theme is the theme of Prayer. And our lesson text was First John chapter 5 where it states this, Now this is the confidence, don't you like that word? That we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions That we have asked of Him. What a beautiful passage of Scripture, isn't it? That begins with that powerful, moving word of confidence. That we have this confidence, not in ourselves, but in Him. That He hears us. That He hears the groanings. He hears the petitions. He hears our begging. He listens to us. You know, the root word of confidence is that word confide. And isn't it a special thing when you find someone that you can confide in? It's not every day that you find someone that you can confide in, is it? Someone that you can spill out your heart to. Someone that you can tell the truth to no matter what. Someone that you can truly confide in. And I like that word. Sometimes I have the opportunity to listen to people. People come to me and they use me as a chaplain or as a minister and they confide in me. And there's four things that I think about when people confide, when people give you their confidence. And the first thing that I think about is am I really gonna listen? Have you ever been caught not listening? Sometimes it's happened to me in meetings. We're having one of those great meetings that everybody's just joyful to be in, and then all of a sudden I I lose track of the thought that's in the meeting, and then all of a sudden, Laws, what do you think about that? Hold on, what were we talking about again? Or if it's that important conversation that someone else is having with you, your spouse, and they're telling you something so important and then all of a sudden you lose track and you're off in your own world and you're like, what? And they catch you not listening, you nod off. Has that ever happened to you? And there's so many distractions, aren't there, in this world. Sometimes people come into my office at work and they want to tell me something. And the first thing that I see on my desk is a computer. Now, do I listen or do I check my email? Or do I surf around? It's a distraction, isn't it? To listen. But not only are there these distractions all around us, there's the distractions within us. I was happy thinking my own thoughts. Now I have to think about your thoughts. Finding someone to confide in, the confidence that someone puts in you. But John says that's the confidence that we have in him, that he listens. Another thing that I think about too sometimes people tell me things that I really don't want to know secrets. And I tell people, I'm going to take them all to my grave, I'm not going to tell anybody. There's a lot of secrets, and and that's a part of confiding in someone, isn't it? That you tell them something and you don't want them to tell anybody else. But we've all had those friends, haven't we? Who went around telling our business. Another thing I think about is about active listening because it takes energy to listen to someone, to care enough to listen to somebody. And it never became more apparent to me about active listening until I got into a vent unit where people are hooked up on ventilators. And if you want to test out your listening ability, go to a vent unit and talk to somebody on a vent. Because you can't nod along with that. Because here's what, to listen to someone that's on a ventilator, you have to read their lips. And I thought I was a good listener. But when I tried to listen to someone who couldn't even speak, it challenged am I really listening? And then lastly, I think about when when it comes to confidence and confiding in someone, do I have their best interest? Will I talk to them in such a way? Will I give them advice in such a way? Will I pursue something that's actually good for them after they've told me this? Do I have their best interest at heart? And when I think about the confidence that we have in God, He has all of those in spades, doesn't He? That yes, He's going to listen. That yes, He has my best interest. That yes, I can confide in Him no matter what. And that's what prayer is all about, is having that confidence in who God is. Believing in who He is and that He's able to accept that which is on my heart. You know, prayer is really the tip of the spear for a life of intentionality. And what do I mean by that? That What I mean by that is that not only do we ask, but our lives live in harmony with our prayers. And that when Jesus gave His instruction on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, He didn't just say ask, did He? He said ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. It wasn't simply just ask. You see, as a life of a disciple of Christ, the ask is the first. But then, it's up to me to knock. It's up to me to seek. And prayer is the tip of the spear when it comes to a life of intentionality, a life as a disciple of Christ living that life, but do we believe in prayer? And there's so many people that when I engage in conversation or I hear people talking about prayer, it's like they don't even believe in prayer. They're like, hey, we pray, but will God do anything? It's like, what's the point? But that's not the point that that John's making. He says we have this confidence in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. But even the early church had a problem with believing, yes, prayer works. Prayer is real. And yes, we should be on our knees praying. You know, even today, prayer has been politicized. Don't be, don't be saying, hey, our prayers and thoughts are with you. Like all of a sudden, that's not good anymore. But the early church in Acts chapter 12 struggled with the same thing. Because in Acts chapter 12, what happened was is that this persecution began to arise against the church. And the first to feel the wrath of it was Stephen, and then the second was James the apostle. And it says that Herod killed him with the sword. And then Herod, like a politician, does. He saw that the people liked it. And so he went after more apostles and more Christians. And then he came after Peter himself. And arrested Peter. And it says in Acts chapter 12, so when they had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him over to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And then listen what happens. That the church was in constant prayer and was offered to God for him by the church. When Peter got arrested, They knew it could spell doom for Peter's life, and the church began to pray in vigil for him. And what happens? God answers their prayer, but it takes them a while to realize it. And there Peter is in prison with a guard on his left and a guard on his right. It's a dire situation, isn't it? chains on his hands. And in a remarkable remarkable way, an angel of the Lord walks him through the prison, tells, "Put on your shoes, come on, Peter." Peter goes to the church, John Mark's house, where they're praying for him to be released from prison. And the young girl Rhoda answers the door and hears Peter's voice, doesn't see him, goes into the church. Tells everybody that's praying, it's worked. He's here. He's outside the gate. we got to let him in. And what was the church's response? You're beside yourself, Rhoda. You're crazy. We know where Peter's at. He's in, the, he's in jail. It took them time to realize... That yes, prayer worked. And it says that when they saw him, they were astonished at the power of prayer. We find this struggle of the physical and the spiritual in no other place more vivid than in the Garden of Gethsemane, do we? In Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus is in the garden. And He brings in His best friends. He brings in His closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, to be with Him in this moment of distress. And He's having an existential crisis because He knows what's before Him. He knows that certain death is before Him. And He just has one request for His disciples. Just pray with me. And it says in Matthew chapter twenty six, forty three, and he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were very heavy. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And there we see that there's this tension between the physical and the spiritual that we just can't get over what we think we know. There's no way that God can answer this prayer. But God tells us to pray. Someone once said that prayer should be the key in the morning and the lock at night. Prayer should be that place, that sacred place where we go and find Him. So just a few points for you this morning. Number one, prayer is communion. What do we mean by communion? We mean prayer is how we live in relation to God. In James chapter 5:13, it says, "Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So no, and no matter what state we find ourselves in, we need to find our sta- ourselves in relation to Him. If we're in sickness, if we're in distress, if we're hurting, we need to pray. If we're happy, we need to sing. Both are in relation to Him. Both are in communion and fellowship with Him. Whatever our state. It says to pray without ceasing. That our lives are to be in His presence. A constant conversation with God Himself during our day, during our night. And if you think about it, What is the litmus test for any relationship in life? It's communication. When you talk to all the people when they're talking about marriage and good marriages and bad marriages and everything in between, what do they always come to? Communication. I haven't talked to my wife in in a month. That can't be a good thing. Trust is the currency of a relationship, but communication is the expression of that trust, isn't it? The only people you truly communicate with honestly are the people you truly trust. And if you're not communicating with the God of heaven, there's trust that's missing. That relationship is missing. And He wants to live in relation to us as His Father, remember one time I was talking to a young man, and he was talking about all the things that he wanted in his prayers. Everything that he was praying for, and he had a whole laundry list of things he was praying for. And sometimes I do, too. I'll admit it. But I said, what is the point of prayer? I asked him. He we said, well, let me see. I, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. I said, the point of prayer is prayer that's it the point of prayer is to live in the presence of the God of heaven and so many times we let all the other things, all the other desires all the other wants get in the way of that relationship what if I was constantly asking my wife for things over and over again that was it The point of it isn't just asking for things. It's to live in the presence of a person you love. And that's what prayer is to God. Prayer is also an act where we withdraw from the world. We withdraw from the world. We withdraw from the things of the world. And we get in the presence of God. That's a valuable thing, isn't it? Prayer is communion. Prayer is also community. Think about it. When you pray for a brother or sister, when you pray for a child, when you pray for someone, when you pray for our country, when you pray for Nashville, when you pray for an election, when you pray for a teacher, when you pray for someone next to you, that is about community, isn't it? And there's no greater compliment than you can give someone to to utter their name in a prayer to God. Say each other's names. It's about praying together. Jesus said there is a power in collective prayer in Matthew 18, 19. I say that if two agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There is a power in collective communal prayer. And we get to ask in the name of Christ. In the name of Jesus. What significance does that have? When you think about asking in the name of Jesus, you're asking in the greatest intervention in humanity of all time. That's who Jesus is. It's God intervening on earth. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying in intervention. You're praying for God to intervene just as Jesus intervened by coming into this life. You're asking Him to come into your life. Praying in the name of Christ. And that's what He asks us to do for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, it says in 1 Timothy 2, 5. Prayer is also commitment. Prayer is about commitment to God, isn't it? Committing this time, committing this moment, committing my life. In James 5, 15 it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And he that committed sins, He will forgive him. Prayer is about faith and commitment to God. Prayer is also confession. What greater act of confession is there than to pray to God? To say His name. To believe that He's able to intervene in your life to change things. Prayer is confession of who He is and also of the sin that's within our own lives. Prayer is confessing that I don't have it all figured out and that I need you, Lord. Please forgive me. Someone once said, Prayer does not change God, but it changes Him who prays. You're not going to change God. God, by definition, is immutable. He doesn't change. That's the beauty of it. But when you pray before a holy God, it begins to change you. It even begins to change what you ask for. Prayer is confession. And lastly, what is prayer's character? It works, it's effectual. It works. Sometimes we think that the prayers that have the most words in them mean something more. But there's been a lot of prayers uttered with great verbosity that were empty and harmed. And some of the most profound prayers can be the words that are the most simplest. Some of the prayers in the New Testament when, when people encountered Christ were just simply, Heal me! Help me. Deliver me. Sometimes that's all we can get out of ourselves, isn't it? In the world of hurt, in the world of sin that we encountered, Adam Clark once said, prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. It really matters how you feel and what's going on inside and how well you can speak. Prayer is about character. I'll leave you with one last little story about Alexander the Great. Of course, he was a powerful man, young man, conquered the known world, but a philosopher of meager means came to him begging him for, for money. And he asked for an absorbent amount, something like $100,000 in our amount of money. And the treasurer, this is a treasurer that you like, he asked permission, right? And so he came to Alexander and said, this guy's wanting a lot of money. And Alexander said, pay him at once he has done me a singular honor because by the largeness of his request, he shows that he understands my wealth and my generosity. Now, how much more generous, how much more powerful, how much more good is your Father in heaven? So when we ask great things of God, when we ask great things of God to be done in this church, when we ask of great things to be done in our lives, it's not an insult. It's actually a praise, isn't it? Martin Luther once said it like this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of His willingness. And isn't that a powerful way to see it? I'm not overcoming God's reluctance. I'm laying hold of His willingness to change my life. And that's what God wants to do for each of us. And He says, Be anxious in nothing but in everything, prayer and supplications. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So now I ask you, if you will, join me in a word of prayer. And we'll offer the invitation. Father, we come to You humbly thanking You for the gift of prayer. And I know that there are many things, both small and large, on each of our hearts and minds. Some folks are dealing with loved ones that are hurting. Some people are dealing with things that can't even be spoken. But Lord, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace. We ask for your power in our lives. We ask for healing. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for you to intervene. And we ask, just as your son Jesus prayed, even in the most difficult of times, Lord, we ask that it be according to your will. And that in all of our ways and in all of our days that we will glorify you with the way that we act, the way that we speak, the way that we worship, and the way that we pray. Thank You for the gift of prayer. And we pray in the most powerful name in the universe, the name of Christ Jesus, Your Son. Amen. We're going to sing a song to encourage you this morning. If you've never named the name of Christ, there's no better time than now than to obey Him. And the Bible is very specific and very simple as to what He asks us to do. He desires for us to believe. It said, without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That we're to repent of sin. That we're to turn from those things that alienate us from God and from each other and from ourselves. And to confess Jesus to be the Son of God and to be baptized, immersed into His body, the church. Or maybe you're a Christian this morning, and you need prayer for any reason, whether physical or spiritual, we're here to help you. If you have any need, won't you come now, as together we stand and as we sing.